Imagine, the universe is your playground. Anywhere is possible. Imagine having all of space at your fingertips, but that's just the start. Anywhere, any time, forwards, backwards, it's all possible. Ladies, gentlemen, Raxacoracophalopatorians, lend me your ears as I, Pat Dav, take you on a journey through all of time and space. Wait, 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 hold up. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, Aaron, you poor uninitiated soul. You have no idea what you are in for. In for? Isn't this just a TV show? TV show? Pfft. No, it's a way of life. You will be my trusty companion on this adventure, as I take you, an uncultured American, through the wacky and wonderful world of Doctor Who. Welcome to New to Who. Alright, so we are on to episode 3, our first trip together into the past. The Unquiet Dead is set in 1800s Cardiff and follows the adventures of the Doctor and Rose when they encounter famous novelist Charles Dickens and a bunch of crazy Welsh ghosts. Before we get into the specifics, do you have any overall first impressions, Aaron? So uh, the opening to this and the overall look much different, much, much different than episodes one and two. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, in my notes, I put light years away from the other two episodes. Uh, just everything, color schemes different, camera angles are different, and uh, it starts off with a bang. Yeah, it does start off with a bang. This episode was written by Mark Gatiss, who is a, this is his first episode written for New Who, and he becomes a regular uh, writer for the show, particularly in the Russell T. Davis era. He has a very uh, camp style, uh, very witty, very sarcastic, um, and is a very he's a very recognizable writer, and is actually a co-writer or was a co-writer of Sherlock, the Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman Sherlock. Uh, he was the co-writer of that with Stephen Moffat, and uh, also played Sherlock's brother Mycroft in the series. If you're familiar with that show. So yeah, that that definitely uh, answers some questions then, because I actually, in watching this, I thought it was kind of a 1980s uh, Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, the one star starring Jeremy Brett, and like the X-Files put together. <laughs> it's it's very different. So that, that definitely does make sense. And since I'm a self-proclaimed Sherlock Holmes super fan, of course, I enjoyed the period piece part of it yeah yeah for sure so a couple of fun trivia tidbits before we get into the plot itself um so the production of doctor who particularly early on was mostly handled by bbc wales and therefore most of the filming took place in cardiff in wales uh including most of the london scenes took place in cardiff wales uh but this episode is set in cardiff wales and was filmed in London due to, like, scheduling conflicts. <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, so all the London scenes filmed in Cardiff. This Cardiff scene was filmed in London. I like that. Uh, <laughs> it just says... That, so the only... You're saying the only episode that actually mentions the town that most of these are shot in is not shot in that town. No, Love not it. at all. Um, 
Also, the guy that plays Charles Dickens is a man known as uh, Simon Callow. And Simon Callow is actually uh, a well-regarded writer and kind of biographer of Charles Dickens. He's wrote a lot of work around Charles Dickens, his life and his books. And it's actually got a bit of a rep in the acting industry of playing Charles Dickens. Apparently, this isn't his first rodeo nor his last rodeo of playing Charles Dickens. Apparently, he's the guy to go to if you need a guy to play Charles so Dickens. What, so that does answer a couple of questions then that I had because, you know, for, first of all, I think hearing Charles Dickens uh, give a live performance of A Christmas Carol would be unbelievable. But I was shocked at the beginning that they portrayed him as a drunk. And, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to stay yeah. away from Google, so I didn't Google it. But I thought, is that just creative license or did Charles Dr- Dickens have a drinking problem? Well, I'm assuming Simon Callow would have played him as true to life as he possibly could as someone that knows a lot about the man. So I'm assuming there's probably a lot rooted in real historical evidence of how he played the character. And I will say Charles Dickens, as the episode goes, is the character that probably grows on you the most. But at the beginning, yeah, he has an. Awesome yeah, at the beginning, arc. not a fan of Charles Dickens. Yeah, it's I. There's something that is really clever as the kind of you know Charles Dickens progression through the episode is kind of the subplot is really really nice because obviously he starts off as a big skeptic. Oh, there's no such thing as ghosts. I know I write about them all the time, but they're just tricks of the light. They're just and then slowly but surely he starts to come around and then like believes in ghosts and kind of has a an epiphany of sorts and then all of a sudden by the end he's like, "Wow, I'm a, I'm a changed man. I I'm off to live my life and live life in a new way." Very similar to how Scrooge would in A Christmas Carol. Yeah, I I actually, at the end of it, I kind of picked up on the, the whole thing. I thought this is a pretty creative way to almost not just include a historical figure like a Charles Dickens, but somehow give it an, a story arc that is so similar to the, the, the story he's probably worldwide most famous for. Yeah, I think that's really, really clever. So... Without further ado, also, quick uh, note as well, this was also directed by Euros Lin, the same person that directed End of the World. Okay, so that that, so, does, uh, that does answer some questions then for why it's so drastically different. <laughs> no, that doesn't answer the questions. I guess they just really wanted to set the future and the past apart. I'm assuming that was their main goal. They were like, we need to make sure this is like the future and the past are very different worlds and we make it very obvious to the viewer how different they are. And in the past, apparently, absolutely terrifying. I don't know if I was ready for just how terrifying the beginning of this episode was going to be. Uh, in fact, I would suggest never watching this episode in the dark by yourself. <laughs> were you were you were you watching it in the dark by yourself? I I wasn't, but I I could. I almost did. I almost stayed up real late and watched it, and then I I'm now glad I did not. Yeah, ugh. I mean, Kid Me did not enjoy this. So, of course, uh, at the start of the episode, it's set around Charles Dickens giving a live performance, but also in a funeral company, uh, Sneed's, Mr. Sneed's Funeral Company, and essentially an old woman has died, but all of a sudden she has come back to life, possessed by some spirit, and is walking the streets of Cardiff, possessed and wailing like a banshee, uh, and glowing eyes and all sorts. And apparently this isn't the first time this has been happening. Yeah, I love the interaction between him and the servant girl that it's like, 
I will get help, but we first have to get this old lady back, which leads to me to believe this is not the last person they've had to chase through the streets. Yeah, uh, which, you know, and then along come the Doctor and Rose. He's like, right, you've been to the future. Let's go to the past. He thinks he is taking them to Victorian London at Christmas, but he gets it slightly wrong and ends up in Cardiff, and he, much to his dismay. Um and he's, he, the Doctor, sees no issue in going about in his current attire. However, Rose must indeed change into a more fitting Victorian, elegant black dress. Which uh, plays right into my theory that I am continuing to champion, <laughs> that there is some romantic feelings between them because he reacts with a, you look beautiful when she changes clothes. And uh, she does. She really does. She's a very pretty girl. So I, mm. I, I understood what he's saying. Yeah, she did. She did look fantastic in that. And um, I'm just going to raise my eyebrows and move along with the romantic <laughs> subplot <laughs> because there's going to be some stuff as we go along. I'm sure. Uh, and they want to go and attend the theater, but all of a sudden they, of course, discover that something strange is going on, and they are called to some screams of terror. Discover the old lady. And uh, the old lady and Rose are snatched up in the hearse by the funeral directors. Uh, the doctor then jumps in a random horse and carriage and is like, follow that hearse. Little does he know that that is, in fact, Charles Dickens' carriage. And uh, they meet. I love that he is a huge Charles Dickens fan. Uh, <laughs> and Charles Dickens, of course, as, as any probably famous author would be, a little... Uh, you know, it gives him a little bit of love there. And he's like, well, you know, this isn't such a bad guy. He is a big super fan. I will say the scene in the theater resurrected feelings for me that 12-year-old Aaron had um, in Indiana Jones when they opened the Ark of the Covenant and the crazy angel ghost demon things. Uh, oh, yeah. I got, I, I was looking at that and 12-year-old me was like, oh, these are bad flashbacks. Because I can remember my dad... <laughs> Forgetting that that scene was in Indiana Jones and letting me see it way younger than I should have. And uh, I, I'm like, oh, I watched this. I thought, I hope Pat didn't see this when he was like a little kid because this is a little creepy. I watched this episode for the first time where, so I watched, I remember my Doctor Who background is that I watched the pilot when it first aired in 2005. I was seven years old when the pilot aired. So the, the shop plastic dummies, I was seven years old for that episode. I then stopped watching uh, just because I can't remember why. I just didn't watch. And then I picked up at the start of season two um, and then went back and watched season one in between seasons two and three. So I must have been like nine, maybe, when I watched this episode for the first time. Too young. Uh, Definitely too yeah, young. Yeah, maybe too young. And lots of kids... Uh, a bit too young for Doctor Who. And, you know, there's some writers, Russell T. Davis sometimes did it, but there are some writers on this writing team for Doctor Who whose sole aim with this show is to try and scare little kids behind the sofa. Well, it'll do it. And this one's a good, uh, if you've got a kid that you want to see how uh, how scared he can get, this is a good episode for that. Yeah, for sure. Like, proper ghost stuff so yeah there's some nice banter between dickens and the doctor before they pull up at sneed's house company whatever it is stately manor and uh there's a nice little line here that i completely missed until the time i rewatched it for this show 
where Dickens says, oh, what the Shakespeare? Which I thought was really funny because the tom- common term is what what the Dickens. Yes. And- I, 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 I didn't catch it at first and I was watching some highlights on YouTube and then when I heard it, I was like, oh, oh, that's hilarious. That's whoever wrote that in. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so clever. So like such a small thing, but so good. Uh, and uh, the Dr. Dickens discover uh, the ghosts as uh, that are kind of zombifying dead corpses around the funeral company as they are about to attack Rose. The doctor saves them in time and um, he then starts to investigate Mr. Sneed. Yeah, there's a there's a good interaction between Rose and the servant girl and um, she's, she's very weird um, but mm-hmm. sweet at the same time. And uh, I love the, the interaction they have in the food pantry uh, where she... You know, and I'm sure this is how it would be. You know, we're a lot more open now than they would have been back mm-hmm. then. And so she's asking about guys and makes a comment about, like, I like a good smile and a good bum. And the uh, the servant girl is just mortified that she would be so forward. But I, I do like the servant girl. And, uh, you know, I prepared myself this time. And I thought I was yeah. going to make it through the whole show. But I, I, I prepared myself. I'm not going to get attached to characters anymore. But... The, the servant girl is really easy to get attached to. Yeah, she's so lovely. Gwyneth uh, is great, and she gives lo- lovely context of like how things were back then, and her and Rose's contrast is really nice. It's a really nice conversation. Um, and here's some fun trivia. So there is uh, eventually a spin-off show for Doctor Who. Um, well, there's a couple, but there's... There was a main like primetime one that they kind of aimed at young adults because it was like sweary and a bit more raunchy. Um, I'm not going to give the name of it yet because I don't want you to Google it and nor do I want to give away how that spin-off show comes about canonically. But there is a spin-off show and that the person that plays Gwyneth turns up in the, as a regular. She's like a, a main character in that show as well called Gwen. I really like, like her. I think her and Charles Dickens are two of the best characters so far in the show. They're both just great actors, actors, and uh, the characters are are great. Yeah, I mean, Dickens especially, I thought, delivered a masterclass. Gwyneth is great as well, and she returns as Gwen in the in the spin, in the the yet-to-be-named spin-off later. And um, it was originally implied by Russell T. Davis that they were played by the same person and had similar names by coincidence, but they then spin a canonical reason for it later. Okay, and I'm not supposed to Google this, right? Stay away from Google. Do not Google it now. Spoilers. Like, even knowing the name of this spinoff show is like, no. Okay, I'll I definitely... <laughs> uh, I'll do it the same. Uh, I think there was a, there's a reference to Time Wars again in this one, and I, mm-hmm. even though it made a reappearance, I stayed away from Google on it, fighting the urge to Google that as well. So I'll just add that to the do not Google list. All law is banned. It will reveal itself over time. Okay. Um, <laughs> Deal. Because <laughs> we're still only three episodes in. There's 13 episodes in this season alone. And Russell T. Davis kind of wraps up all his end of the law by the end of season four. So, you like, you know, he likes to take his time. And am I, uh, so when <laughs> the, the medium thing, uh, <laughs> that's probably my favorite interaction with Charles Dickens when they convince him to sit down and have a seance Mm -hmm. which is i love that interaction that that's the best way the doctor can 
describe what it is they're trying to do. Um, <laughs> and he says, I love a happy medium. And I, I chuckled at that and think it's a great line. So it's just another one of those things in the show that the writing's just really, really good. You just kind of, sometimes you have to ignore a little bit of the cheese ball, but yeah. the writing is really good. Yeah. Christopher Eccleston, I think, plays it off with so much charisma to like, he's like, the role of the doctor is a hard one just because of how adaptable you got to be to so many different situations, right? You've got to be able to play callous and, and hard and stony. And then you've also got to, you know, be cheeky and like secretly loving it all. Cause he, he does, he secretly loves all the adventures on the inside. He does. Uh, every time and in every episode I've watched when something crazy happens, he gets uberly excited that something mm. bad has happened because uh, that's, I guess, what he's there for. And so it it's always fun to watch him get all giddy about something bad that's going to happen to other people. Yeah. So essentially what happens, they get all together for the seance and Gwyneth uh, channels them through this crack in time that happens to be under the house. It just so uh, happens. It's just yeah. such coincidental. <laughs> it's right there. And Gwyneth uh, channels uh, this gas-like spirit creature known as the Gelf, which is a very Welsh name for uh, a space creature. But sure, the Gelf are like these gas creatures, but they were not always this way, but they have lost their physical form through the time war, which the Doctor explains. He was there, he tried, and he automatically sympathises with the Gelf because they've both, you know, lost in the same war. And... uh, the, the Gelf keep preaching, pity the, pity the Gelf, pity the Gelf. And the Doctor does, and he says, look, we're going to find out, like, we should let them embody the corpses and gain a physical form again. And Rose is like, no, that's really sick and perverted, and uh, you can't do that. Like, that doesn't happen. It changes history too much. And then the Doctor explains that uh, time is not set. Like, things are constantly in flux, and the present and the past are never really like one big linear line. Yeah, it's very interesting. It, it kind of brings up that not everyone's morals are going to be the same and that culturally morals can sometimes change. You have Rose with very Western ideas of death and um, you know a, a certain level of respect to the dead. And then you have the doctor from a different culture in a different time. Uh, almost gives her that like this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard yes we're going to let them use these bodies no one's using them now and so it kind of it does give you a little bit of a something to think about that culture can change a little bit of the way that people think and behave we shouldn't maybe judge so fast yeah it's a tough debate isn't it like I, I found it hard to decide where where I stood as the viewer who I was supposed to agree with on this one yeah it was weird because you know if you're someone of deep religious beliefs you definitely don't believe that that person is there and if you're not someone of deep religious beliefs you still don't believe that that person is there any longer so yeah what well, it was a it was a moral dilemma and I never really did land on which side of it I should have landed on I just kind of left it alone yeah kind of food for thought no definitive answers but then they realized that the Gelf's intentions were in fact wrong and they were fully intending to take over the globe and kill more people get more corpses yeah they're they're, the doctor is very wrong very very wrong this is the first time that he's as wrong as he is here and uh another 
really creepy and scary moment happens uh, when all of the corpses in the entire funeral home all come to life. And uh, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I was like, I don't, how is this going to end? And somehow, some way, Charles Dickens sneaks out the back door. I don't know yeah, how. He somehow gets out. Yeah, the corpses just completely ignore, ignore Charles Dickens and uh, he s- slips out the back. Yeah, he slips out the back and uh, they end up killing Mr. Sneed. I think they snap his neck and immediately take over, like a, a stray gelf immediately slips into that corpse like you would someone's DMs and like immediately his eyes come glazed over and he's he's part of the villain and um, Gwyneth is like channeling all these people and it's, it's pretty hopeless. Like spirits are circling, zombies are reaching through the door, they're banging on the door, the Doctor and Rose have their backs up against the wall, they hold hands and look at each other for a hot minute. I don't think they were going to kiss Aaron. Okay, now I, yeah, now I wrote in my notes... <laughs> because I'm telling you, if you go back and you watch it one more time, there's a split second there where I am almost 90% sure that all hope is lost. They both think this is the end and they almost exchange a kiss. I'm just, I, I'm just, tell, just do me a favor. Go back, watch it one more time. Cause I watched it three times. I still think that that is what would have happened. <laughs> Maybe, but Charles Dickens, while he had slipped out the back door, notices that the Gelf are being channeled through the gas stream, through the street lamps, uh, through anything gas can be channeled. So he's like, of course, they're being channeled through the gas. He runs back into the basement and says, no, we can. and he starts a big gas leak. And he's like, we're going to set them all on fire through the gas leak. We just need to start a match or set, make a spark of something. Yeah, and this is, either, this is where it gets bad. And I did. I thought we were going to make it through the whole episode, Pat. Nobody's going to die of consequence. I didn't really care about the funeral parlor guy, Mr. Sneed. I thought we we're going to make it through the whole thing. Uh... And we lose the servant girl. Yeah, she decides she is the one to... The doctor sacrifices himself first, but Gwyneth insists that she needs to be the one to spark the match, stay behind and sacrifice herself to save the planet from the Gelf. The doctor tries to convince her otherwise, but Gwyneth continues to insist, and much to Aaron's dismay. She allows the doctor and Rose just enough time to escape while she lights a match, blowing up the entire Sneed funeral home. Doctor and Rose then get to jump out of the exploding building, true action hero style, and the day is saved for now. I will say this. If a, if a really good character is going to die in this show, they're going to go out with a bang. In every episode, the, the the character that you kind of fall in love with that ends up dying, it's not just like a quick thing. It's always something theatrical. So mm. at least, you know, she went out with a bang. It's memorable. Yeah, yeah. Literally went out with a bang. <laughs> a fiery bang. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, she sacrifices herself, much like Jade did in the last episode. And, um, yeah, the do- the day is saved, and the Doctor, Rose, and Charles Dickens all walk into the sunset together. Uh, Charles Dickens exclaims he is a, a changed man, and he is uh, going to go and live his life to the fullest. He is going to tell this story to the masses and write a new book and do all sorts. And, uh, you know, he says, oh, I thought I knew it all, but it's much more exciting to think you know nothing. The doctor seems pleased with this change. Um, They all exchange their goodbyes. And he's like, yo, Dickens, check this shit. And then he hits the TARDIS, makes it zoom away. And uh, 
Pickens is like, whoa, I can't believe it. And uh, Rose ends the episode by saying, wow, I, I don't remember him writing a book about that. And the doctor says, yeah, he dies in like a year's time. He doesn't get the chance to finish it. Yeah, it's a it's a weird ending, but um, you really do fall in love with the the Charles Dickens character. On my summary, I wrote uh, it's darker and grittier and more suspenseful than I was prepared for, but I felt like it was a good change. The character of Charles Dickens is definitely my favorite thus far of the introduced characters, and uh, I don't know how well this episode was received when it was originally televised, but I loved it. And this is where Pat and I are going to disagree. Um, on the retros rating, I rated it a five out of five Tardises. I have a feeling you're going to disagree with this. Five out of five. I mean, so I was never here to watch it when it was originally aired, and I don't know how it was aired, like received as an individual episode, as the third episode in the series, and people were left waiting for more. However, as someone that has watched a lot of Doctor Who episodes. While looking back on it, there's some really, like, clever moments and there's some, like, funny lines, like Happy Medium, What the Shakespeare, and, like, Gwyneth is likable enough. Charles Dickens has a really clever subplot arc. The villains are, at the end of the day, like, really forgettable when we start stacking them up against villains that are to come. Uh, And that's kind of just where this episode... And again, the, the, the setting is kind of unexciting... Um, and basically, while this episode does nothing wrong, I feel like it doesn't do anything particularly exciting, if that makes sense. It's going to go down in history as one of the more forgettable episodes. Okay, so I, I see what you're saying, and I will, I will agree with you. The villains of the three episodes I've watched are not the best villains, um... I think part of that due to they're like a, a vapor gas thing. And so that makes them hard to kind of makes it hard as a, as someone watching it to really get engaged with them. They're basically just glorified zombies. They are. And you know, it's kind of a, maybe it's a cop out. Maybe it's a cheap and easy way to have a zombie episode. Uh, you know, I don't think it, the walking dead was coming out. So I don't think they were trying to capitalize on, something that was popular but i i do think the writing is really good and i enjoyed kind of the change in look and feel a lot from the first two episodes sure i can agree with that i think as a first trip to the past goes it does a very very solid job and i think in general doctor who does better in the future than it does the past i think the more alien it gets the better for me um and typically the episodes said in the past aren't as memorable for me but that just might be aesthetic preference for me. I can see that because I, you know, as far as pop culture goes, anything that I've seen around is more points towards the futuristic episodes and kind of that that campiness that comes with trying to make you know aliens look as realistic as possible, but on a tight budget. So I, I can understand that. But I, I will say, of the three I've watched, I liked it the most. Well, that's good. I think that means a couple of things. I think, one, you're getting more into the show. And two, you like the direction it's going in. Like, So I think this is a good thing because you're getting more into the show and you're kind of buying into what the show is trying to do more and more. So I think this is positive for us going forward. I agree. In fact, um, at the time of recording this, we were going to try to do episode four. And 
I we can't. We're gonna have to do four and five together. I'm hooked. So the next episode <laughs> will be a part one, part two deal. And just when I thought it couldn't get any weirder, it got weirder. Oh Pat. yeah. So uh, of course, like we said, we will always allude to next time. The next episode, series one, episode four, will be our next episode where we cover Aliens of London, where the Doctor and Rose return to the present after their trips both backwards and forward in time to return to the present. But a spaceship would crash into Big Ben, leading to extreme shenanigans. And I have a it lot is. of questions about this episode when we do this because there there's a whole lot of the cheesy american ufo flicks that this kind of alludes to and i have tons of questions that have more to do with the cultural difference between the u.s and the uk um and a lot of things i wasn't prepared for yeah for sure it's, it's exciting and uh i'm just gonna say it now it's the first two-part episode in the new who i don't want to get to it now but were you were you duped were you were you expecting a uh, a two-part episode no i i wasn't and when it when it wrapped up i kind of just looked down at my phone realized oh well, that's that is a whole episode so okay well then i have to watch the next part i can't i can't do this yeah i remember when i first watched a two-part episode i was like what it ends there no and uh when i watched my first two-parter it was in season two and it was a particularly scary cliffhanger for me as a as a kid and i had nightmares for like three days like going knowing that the doctor was in in peril and i'm gonna have to wait till next saturday to watch it's gonna be exciting i'm really looking forward to it yeah so that's going to do it from us, and uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. See ya! And thus concludes our adventure. For now. Thanks for being our companion on this episode of New to Who. We hope you enjoyed and will join us again soon. Be sure to follow the podcast so you never miss an episode, and drop me an hour and a follow on Instagram to get updates and extra show content. You can follow me at Good Brother Patrick and Aaron over at RetroGuyOKC. You can also find the show on Insta and Facebook over at New To Who Pod, where we do live shows, giveaways, and more. Keep being fantastic, and we'll see you next time.